Hey loves, welcome to the Soulful Self-Care Sessions. I'm Pleasance, your host for this sometimes magical, sometimes sciencey, sometimes super woo podcast. My intention is to create a supportive, loving home for your soul. Together, let's explore the ancient wisdom teachings of yoga, Ayurveda, and Eastern philosophy right alongside modern science, well-being, and lifestyle design. Here, we live into the questions, and we don't pretend to have all the answers. I deeply appreciate your support, and I really hope that this inspires you to have more joy and ease every single sacred day. Okay, hi everyone, it's Pleasant, and I'm so excited because I have recently met one of my um, new soul sisters, because we've definitely been friends in a former life, and um, Susan and I met because she wrote this amazing, fabulous book, Ayurveda Beginner's Guide. And actually, Susan lives outside of Baltimore, and one of our, another friend introduced us and said, I think you guys will really like each other. And so I had the honor of going to a book talk and meeting Susan and her husband, who's also wonderful and such a light. Um, and so I said, will you please jump on the phone with me and say a little bit about Ayurveda? for um, the Little Ohm community and our students and just hear your story of it. I think the um, stories behind the Ayurvedic practices are so powerful because there's so many women suffering mm. in digestive systems, they're overwhelmed, um, they're so disconnected from nature. And I know for me, Ayurveda was a path to the wholeness and continues to be. Um, and so that's why I wanted you to share about your story and your expertise. So yay, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Um, so how did you get started with Ayurveda? Well, um, I began, I, I knew a little bit about Ayurveda. I came across a book in the early 90s by Deepak Chopra called Ageless Body, Timeless Mind. And um, I was like, wow, there's something really super interesting about this ancient Indian wisdom. But it sort of sat in the back of my head for a long time. And then in the early 2000s, I opened my own bookshop and I had that book in it. And I opened a, um, I had a, an Ayurvedic section in the bookstore along with yoga and meditation and, you know, angels and aromatherapy and the whole thing in my bookshop. Um, but I started looking um, at Ayurveda as a path to healing for myself. I had always had a weight problem. Although I always want to tell people Ayurveda is not like weight loss diet. It's just when you become in harmony with nature and balance, whatever doesn't serve you goes away. So in my case, it was like 50, 60 pounds went away because of Ayurveda. But that's why I initially looked into it. And I went to the Chopra Center in California in 2007 and did a program um, there. It's called, um, what's it called? Perfect Health. And they do something called Panchakarma, which is an ancient Ayurvedic practice of doing all these different types of massages to get and treatments to get toxins out of the body. So I went, I did this week long procedure there and it was like amazing. <laughs> and I came home and, and I took um, some cookbooks off my shelf in the bookstore and started to cook Ayurvedic foods. And just very rapidly, my life really changed. I did just like a 180, weight started to fall off, my cholesterol dropped. And then all these other like amazing things started to open up in my life. I met my husband, I got married, like, you know, just like all these really beautiful things happened because I attributed to Ayurveda. 
I had already been meditating and doing yoga for like 20 some years. So Ayurveda is considered a sister science to um, yoga and meditation. So I just felt like it was like this missing puzzle piece. I had all these other things going for me and then, oh, food, because in Ayurveda, we say food is medicine. And so food is medicine. So if you're not feeding yourself what's good for your individual mind-body constitution, you're not helping yourself. So learning what was my medicine was really important and how it got me more balanced and in harmony. And I just found it to be absolutely astonishing. So I went and I got like all these certifications studied in the US and in India and with all these amazing, beautiful teachers. And um, then I've been doing that for 10 years and I actually closed my bookstore so I can do Ayurveda full time. And then the publishers came along and asked me to write this book and ah, now I'm on your program. (laughs) It's so wonderful. (laughs) Um, What? Okay. So tell me a little bit. Let's so most of the people who are in our community are um, working full time, either inside or outside the home, um, multiple kids and or taking care of aging parents and, yeah. or, you know, they're in a it's, a, it's a lot. There's a lot of responsibilities and demands on their lives. And one of the things that I hear a lot is like, oh, not one more thing, right? Like, one more thing that I won't be good at, or one more thing that I don't understand. And so can you talk a little bit about your sort of daily integration and yeah. what those kind of simple, like how you started? Yeah, absolutely. One important thing though, is that that metaphor, you know, when you get on an airplane and they say, put your oxygen mask on before putting on anybody else's. So women in particular, they put on everybody, even people they don't know, they put their oxygen mask on. We're taking care of everybody children, husbands, partners, wives, pets, they do everything, parents. Um, And then they just like fall apart because they never put their oxygen mask on. So you really need to make the decision that you're worth it and you need to take care of yourself first. That's like the major thing, number one. You have to know that you're worth it. You're worth it to cook. Single women, I was single when I started this, lived alone. I am worth cooking a meal for, you know? I cannot sit down with a box of cookies and think that's dinner, no. you know, because whatever. So we need to learn how to respect ourselves and take care of ourselves. That said, Ayurveda just has some really basic principles. So when I started, I learned about what's called um, the daily routine, which uh, the language of Ayurveda is Sanskrit. So that's called your dinacharya. And your dinacharya can begin in a very simple way. And depending on somebody's lifestyle, when I do a consultation, I find out what can you put into your life? What sorts of changes can you make? really starting with baby steps so that you don't get overwhelmed and quit. And so the dinacharya in the morning, it's all about removing toxins from the body. So when we go to sleep at night, the body separates nutrients and toxins. The nutrients get assimilated into our body and the toxins get ready for elimination in the morning. And so we want to help with that elimination first thing in the morning. Basic stuff like scraping your tongue, drinking some warm water with lemon, maybe doing some oil pulling, And then as we get more advanced, we do the body massages with oil to help get toxins out of the system, do some breath work, some pranayama, do some meditation. But it can look like if you look at the whole list, you'd have to get up at 4 a.m. to make it happen. So we look at what works for you. Can you just scrape your tongue? That's awesome. Can you just drink some warm water with lemon before you have your coffee or tea? That's awesome. You know, so we really want to look at putting in these baby steps. 
for me, I did what I tell my clients never to do. I went like ah, crazy and did the whole thing at once. I went out and I bought all the spices and herbs and the different types of things for cooking. Then it was a pressure cooker. Now it's an instant pot. They're great. Um, you know, I learned about like soaking beans and making ghee and doing all this stuff. And um, so I really just, for me, I was ready to make like every change and my whole life changed so quickly. It was astonishing. So some people are ready to do that. Others just scrape your tongue. <laughs> so we, we really, doesn't matter. You can have profound changes from the tiniest little things that you do. So we just want to take it step by step. Basically, Ayurveda is about being in harmony with the seasons. So even if you don't know your mind-body constitution, which is called your dosha, even if you don't know your dosha, if you just eat for the season, and in my book, I give a little shopping list for the season. Mm -hmm. And um, so people can find that and know uh, what types of food to buy. Mm -hmm. Eating with the season, eating three meals a day, trying to avoid snacking so that you're in between meals, your body digs deep into stored pockets of energy to use and to keep us going. That's one way we get rid of toxins. And so if we eat just three meals, biggest meal of the day at lunch, smallest meal at dinner, um, eat nothing three hours before bed so that you sleep well and you're not overtaxing your body before bed, you will wake feeling rested in the morning. And that's the biggest deal. We want to feel rested and ready to go in the morning so that we can scrape our tongue <laughs> and just go on, you know, with the other um, tasks that we need to do. So we need to feed ourselves well and in proportion. By the way, Ayurveda says each meal is two handfuls of food. So that's two thirds of your stomach. You leave one third open for the digestive fires. Mm -hmm. So if you notice after a meal that you're just like feeling sick and you want to unbutton your jeans and lay on the sofa and you're just like poorly inert and stuff, that was not a good meal. <laughs> You want to feel like energized and um, healthy and light and ready to take like a little walk after a meal. And that's a sign that you've eaten a good amount. Never want you to be hungry. Never want you to suffer. But learning how to eat for your constitution and eating seasonally so that food digests well will really help you have a lot of energy, clean your mind out so that you can make better decisions and feel better. Do you feel like it's, um, you know, I think one of the things that I hear a lot is like people with their pads are like, okay, I'm going to take the dosha quiz. And now I'm clearly pitta and pittas can only have these and not have this. And, and I'm just going to keep doing it. Like that's a very like DC kind of like intense. I know. <laughs> so um, like having all that is very prescribed and one of the things that I'm always just like kind of gently saying is like, I don't know, try it, like experiment, be curious, figure, you know, if there's so much kind of like relaxing into trusting yourself with the season. Um, are there signs that people can look for that it's like that they're going on the right path versus things that are not? Is that? Um, well, yeah, I mean, basically, if you feel better, <laughs> you know that you're going on the right path. But we use the doshas really as like a guideline. Yeah. It's not all about, we're all all three doshas. Vata dosha is wind, air, and movement. Pitta is fire and metabolism. Kapha is earth and water, the structure that holds it all together. So we're all all three. Yeah. Um, but one predominates more than another. But if you, so let's say you wake up really pitta and like you fuel yourself with coffee and like, you know, and uh, 
did just whatever, you know, that exacerbates pitta, eat hot, spicy, sour foods can really exacerbate pitta. And you notice that you're, you're impatient and you're angry and you're blaming others. You might take a step back and say, whoa, maybe if I ate some cooler foods um, or meditated or did some deep breath work, maybe I could be a little bit nicer and not as hot headed as pitta can be. So you just have to, and so to have a self, to have self-awareness, and that's something that a lot of people are so busy that they're not looking at like, whoa, what did I just say? What did I just do? How did I just react? Let me just take a step back here and ask myself what just happened and what's the best way to respond, or maybe the best way is not to respond. What set me off? How can I balance that out and smooth that out? So Ayurveda can definitely give you answers for how to make it a, a smoother thing. Um, I have to say that even before like food and Ayurveda and so on, I think one of the most important things a person can do is um, meditation. Mm -hmm. And so even if they just begin with five minutes, getting on a, an app like Headspace or Insight Timer or Calm, just maybe getting some guided meditations, we need to listen to our mind. Before we start throwing all this other stuff at us, oh, I should be doing this kind of yoga and eating this kind of food. It's, it's crazy. Let's just get quiet first. Let's just see what am I ready for? What can I really add into my life? What do I need? Meditation is about listening and discernment and letting go of what is not what we don't need. But then the more we delete the unnecessary stuff, the important things arise. And meditation can help us see that clearly. What's important? Is it in my relationship with myself or my significant other or my work or whatever it is? So I, I almost think that before anybody begins any new lifestyle plan, they get a nice little regular meditation practice in place so that they can be present, consciously aware and calmer about where they're going with it. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense <clears throat> to help tune in so that you can even hear what's working or not. Um, because one of the things, one of the biggest things that I learned from my teacher that really changed so much, and I wrote, just wrote about it in one of the newsletters recently, was around digest, digestion, but I've always thought about it as food, um, and she really emphasizes emotions, and thought, you know, yeah. thoughts, emotions, and relationships, and that to me was just such a, a profound teaching because it's just an, I don't know, it's just like we don't ever take time to talk about that or to allow ourselves kind of the luxury, quote unquote, but lots of us are digest, our whole bodies are just jammed of all these toxic emotions and trauma and we haven't had the grief or moved it through. And, you know, I think because so many people practice yoga, it kind of is naturally happening in yoga, right? People mm -hmm. are, I think also why people get very addicted to it, mm -hmm. um, especially in DC. Mm -hmm. um, but I love the intentionality. It's like what we were talking about before we were recording, like the intentionality of the opportunities or our days or our lives and saying like, you know, we recently had a big tragedy in our community. And instead of like pushing through it, taking a pause to say let's i, I want to be intentional around digesting this grief and these emotions so that i can move forward into the next season 
yeah. at stage of my life without holding on to so much. Mm-hmm. Have you done, been, have you experimented with some of that emotional digestion yourself? Oh, that is so interesting because in Ayurveda, we see no separation between mind and body. And actually the word um, rasa in Sanskrit, it's spelled R-A-S-A in the alliteration. It means taste as well as emotion. And so when we have cravings for certain foods, I ask, I explain to my clients how it's connected to an emotion. So let's say they're craving sweets. I ask them, are they getting enough sweetness in their life? Do they need to get some hugs? Do they need to give some hugs? Do they need to get um, a rescue animal or something? But it's so the emotion is directly connected. So we can look at that because we look to feed ourselves in many different ways. And it's the emotion. There's no such thing as non-emotional eating. So we need to really look at that emotion and see what is it that I'm trying to fulfill? What is it that I need to do? Is it food or not? And often it's not food. So we really look so much at that. And um, again, the practice of meditation though helps you become so much more aware and compassionate to yourself and others. And then you can truly see, because sometimes if something overwhelming happens like grief or it's so pervasive. You don't even know where it is in your body. You don't, you don't, so you're scattered and distracted and all over the place. And through a meditation or even pranayama practice, we can, we can find the place through maybe the chakra system or whatever it is you're using. You can find the place of where that is lying and you can begin to work with that um, there. So we definitely, emotion is, there's, you know, emotions and feelings are completely integrated into the Ayurvedic practice. I don't know why it felt so profound over the past two years. I think that my, what, where, where, what I've been thinking is that it wasn't in yoga teacher training. So when I did teacher training in 2006, you know, we did Ayurveda for a weekend, right? And focused so much on the doshas and mm-hmm. the food and the mm-hmm. medicine and everything that I sort of attracted towards me around Ayurveda from 2006 until really 2016 was mm-hmm. kept kind of repeating that. And so I really couldn't, I really couldn't hold on to it enough to want to study and learn because the cooking stuff and the food felt so overwhelming mm-hmm. and because I was having babies and nursing and opening yoga studios and closing them that my don't like I couldn't figure out what my primary versus um what was a current state versus primary state it just felt so overwhelming so when I met this woman Elizabeth who for the first time I ever heard and I'm sure other people had said it I just didn't hear it had talked about the emotions it felt so profound and it totally makes sense around the food and the sweetness and the intuition and listening like I love how it just all of a sudden like when I released I guess tightness around what I thought it was mm-hmm. um, I was um, able to access more more of what what was really underneath it <laughs> right right yeah that's great I'm so but glad to you yoga I think yoga trainings mm-hmm. and studios um don't necessarily maybe do such a beautiful job like you do such a feminine and clear and integrated job of talking about it you know there's it, it comes across in some of the old text very masculine which doesn't mm-hmm. really you know so mm-hmm. i don't know that's just like what i've been thinking about um 
Okay, so I have a specific question for you um, from one of our students who has uh, a whole host, and this is a bigger question that comes up, I hear this a lot. Um, I've heard other people ask it and kind of talk about it, is um, around modern health culture, dairy free, dairy free, gluten free, celiac, um, no meat, vegetarian, vegan, all these things, and balancing that with some of the things that they read about online. Mm -hmm. um, so this particular student was talking about feeling like she had a vodka imbalance mm -hmm. um, and has a lot of celiac and all of the um, recommendations. She felt like she didn't understand what she was supposed to eat or not eat, mm -hmm. because they weren't healthy, mm -hmm. quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And I had the same experience because my husband, he's not now, but he was paleo for a long time. And so when I started bringing more of the food, the Ayurvedic food into my house, his, I, he's like, you want me to eat white rice? <laughs> right. I mean, he literally, he was like, I don't, you know, and I had such a block over like white rice being unhealthy. Um, so can you talk a little bit about like modern health and what we think mm -hmm. it is and then I yeah. food and what you see? Sure. Let me, let me address the white rice first. So there is, um, the white rice that a lot of us grew up with, like Uncle Ben's converted yeah. rice and stuff like that. So that is like brown rice that the hull has been taken off of. And so it's lost a lot of its fiber and protein and nutrients. And it's basically just like a starchy sugar. But things like uh, basmati rice and jasmine rice, those are naturally white rices. And so they have all their, their nutrients intact. And so Ayurveda loves white basmati rice in particular because it's easy to digest and also has nutrients. Brown rice is harder to digest, so we don't really recommend that too often for people. But yeah, so there are, you know, you get closer to the source and you still have your nutrients in the food. So for the, for the questionnaire, it's, it's complicated, but um, there is just so much information out there. But I think a lot of people experience allergies or celiacs or have digestive problems because of additives in the food, chemicals, processed food, and pesticides on the food. So something like wheat and oats, those are just completely doused with glyphosate, which is also known as Roundup. Monsanto company that produces these Roundup Ready seeds. And so the farmers, you know, pay for these. And then the only pesticide they can use is this glyphosate, which they just literally just drench the, um, the wheat or the oats or different GMO products with. So, but even if the product is not genetically modified, if it's not labeled organic, it probably has pesticides which the body can react to. So many people can be so sensitive to these pesticides. Other people, it can just pass right through them and it doesn't bother them. But some people are extremely sensitive to it. So that's where the problem comes in. So somebody who can't eat regular wheat in the US might be able to go to like a country like Italy or France that has more laws about this and they're just fine eating the wheat. So the number one thing that I would advise people to do is buy organic and research the organic company they're buying from because suddenly like, I don't know, they're even finding fraud in organics. Yeah, right. <laughs> so just seeing GMO, non-GMO on the label does not mean it's organic. Yeah. That just means it's not genetically modified. So you must see organic as well. So that's the number one thing I would tell people to do is do that. Number two is a lot of people have problems with lactose and dairy. 
Now, there doesn't really need to be a problem. And in Ayurveda, we look at many kinds of dairy as medicine. Again, organic, if you can get milk um, or cheese, and we don't really like cheese, but fresh cheese is, is okay, like goat cheese or feta, but cheese that has not been homogenized or pasteurized, meaning raw. So there are several farms, like in Pennsylvania, just over the line here, that have raw products. One is called Miller's Farm, and I think another is called Gaia, but I need to look it up, that these, are, these really take care of their animals. One is Amish and one is Hindu. <laughs> and they really, they really take care of their animals and they use no pesticides um, uh, on the earth so, and in the soil. So knowing where your products come from makes a big difference. Um, but, you know, just eating a balanced <laughs> diet, everything in moderation, avoiding processed foods, just eating real food, like Michael Pollan has one of the best books written on this um, in defense of food. Yeah. It really tells you everything you need to know. Eat food, eat real food, and don't eat too much. <laughs> eat vegetables. <laughs> And don't, don't eat things that come in boxes or things that are labeled with like more than five or six ingredients because the body just doesn't even know how to process that stuff and it can make you feel sick when you have to like dyes and chemicals and preservatives. The same thing is for what you put on your body, the yeah. shampoo, the moisturizer, the makeup, the if you dye your hair, like I keep telling my husband this blue in my hair is, you know, plant-based, but it's not. But, um, <laughs> but um, you know, know what these things are and be aware because like in Sanskrit, we call the layer of the skin is called your Anamaya Kosha. Mm -hmm. That means the layer derived from food. We are encased in the food we eat. Mm -hmm. So we want to make some really good choices so that we're protected from environmental toxins with really healthy skin and that we also clean ourselves from the inside out with the good food choices. So I'm you know, just to break that down, that is buy organic, <laughs> try and buy local foods, ask at a farmer's market if the food has been sprayed or not, do not buy food that has been sprayed, and um, eat moderately, don't go crazy and avoid processed foods altogether. And do you have recipes in the book? That's yes, I do. <laughs> there are 10, ten recipes. You have some cool, I remember there was a toothpaste, right? Don't you have a toothpaste? Well, I do talk about toothpaste and I talk about sunblock. I give recipes for some of the um, skincare yeah. products too, as okay. well as food and drink. Yeah. Well, that's what I remember um, as well. So I think that it's just experimenting, just like you said, and doing the best we can. So again, if it's like the low hanging fruit, which is the organic and the farmer's market and less processed, that is more important than, than being so strict with your dosha. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think people get caught up because they want to know, right. And that's just how human nature, like, we're right. If you want to know, and you want to get that, you know, into it, it's best to work with a practitioner yeah. and there's several in Washington DC area. And I'm here and a few others in the Baltimore area. I work with people on Skype and so on, but you know, that, that's the way to really find out more so you don't get so confused and overwhelmed because we see people and we give them incremental things to do so they can start to build up their Ayurvedic retinue, you know? Yeah. yeah. 
Okay, well, that leads me to telling everybody where can they find you and how can they work with you? And you do work on Skype and tell yes. us a little bit about some of your awesome trips and your cooking class. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I take people on trips around the world. I'm, I'm very much into sacred sites and I like to take people to do yoga and meditation and experience. I'm going to go on one. I, okay. I don't know which one, but I'm going. <laughs> Excellent. To experience local foods, to take cooking classes and so on. I usually take people to India. I do that a lot. And um, often with an Ayurvedic extension where we go to an Ayurvedic spa at the end of the trip. Poor me has to suffer by going to an Ayurvedic spa in India and get treatments. It's so great. But, um, this year I'm doing something a little different. I'm doing Peru to visit sacred sites in Peru, which I've taken groups on before. It's a shamanic journey to Machu Picchu in the Amazon, the Sacred Valley, a beautiful trip, um, indigenous ceremony, plant medicine as well as included in that trip. That's in the end of June. And then in mid-November, I'm taking a group to Israel. I used to live in Israel. So very ecumenical trip though, meeting everyone from the Jews to the Arabs to the Christians to the Jews and visiting really magical, sacred, spiritual sites in Israel as well. And then next year, I'll, I'll revisit what I do, Bhutan, which is north of India, a little tiny Buddhist country, which is an amazing, magical kingdom in the world. Uh, it's all Buddhist. When is that one? When is Bhutan? Bhutan will be in May 2019. And then India, again, will be uh, December 2019. And so my trips in um, 2018, we just got back from India. So I already did India. And then there'll be Peru and Israel. And so I'm breatheayurveda.com. Breathe, like inhale, exhale. Uh, breatheayurveda.com. Susan Weiss Bolin, you can just Google me. I think if you just Google Susan Ayurveda, you might find me. <laughs> and I'm all over Facebook. And I'm, I'm here to help. We teach, I teach a lot of cooking classes. In my house, I have a teaching kitchen. I also do private lessons. I do consultations. And just my dharma is to um, help people find their best path through Ayurveda. And I got to meet you. <laughs> and yeah. some of the people, I mean, they don't have to, some of our students don't live in the DC area, so right. they can do the Skype. I just, um, just kind of my note around meeting Susan and really wanting to connect and share the work that she's doing is because um, as I have been studying or trying to find different practitioners, again, I haven't been able to really connect to a lot of them. I haven't, I, I felt like they were either talking over me or not giving suggestions or tips that were practical for my actual life. Mm -hmm. um, and so I really just want to appreciate you and your book and your work and um, really encourage people to reach out to you and travel with you and take classes and work with you because having that practitioner at that personal level is so important. And if you're not feeling well and you're in a health crisis or your digestion is really terrible and it has been for a long time, like please do reach out to Susan and get help. I'm not an Ayurvedic. I'm not certified. I'm not a practitioner. I do not see people privately. I'm just passionate around what I'm learning and sharing it out in simple ways. Um, and I'm not interested in being a one-on-one -on -one practitioner or Ayurvedic doctor. So, you know, please do reach out though. Um, and the other thing I would say on that is um, in terms of being motivated for your own health is to if you start working with someone and it doesn't feel good to like end that relationship and find someone who does make you feel good and whole and in tune. Because I think 
sometimes there's so much judgment um, around what people are doing and they're already doing that inner critic and that self-talk so regularly. And so Ayurveda is about the wholeness that you were talking about, the harmony, the joy, the energy of life and finding people, health practitioners that that's how I feel about you, Susan, is that you um, really radiate that. And so oh, thank you. Oh, thank you so much. And I feel you do the same. I mean, you're a real gift to the whole yoga community. And you know, yoga, of course, is so much more than asanas. You're just a, a gift to be helping people and working with people. I'm so happy we connected. And I, like you said, I do believe we are soul sisters from some time. <laughs> and I can't wait to explore more with you. I know, me too. Well, thank you so much for being here. Anything else you want to say? No, I just wish everybody well. And I'm, I'm here to help. And like you say, non-judgmental. I am just totally, you know, <laughs> just I, I go through stuff on an everyday basis myself. Always learning, always learning. And I, I love to be with people and help them and all that it's all good Yay. i so appreciate you having me hey i'm so glad that we were able to make this happen <laughs> i know <laughs> me too all right thanks Susan. thank you namaste, namaste. <laughs>